Welcome to the Marshall Proof Podcast. In our week in what? Sports cars, Graham Goodwin. We're talking sports cars, not monster trucks, not rallying, not submarines, not catamarans. Week in sports cars. Very specific. How are you, Brother Goodwin, after getting home from Bahrain? Uh, well, I'm I'm pretty good. Um, I, I was not not knocked down by uh, my what fourth COVID jab. Third one gave me a few kind of minor symptoms. That's not unusual. Fourth one, whether or not I was carrying a little bit of exhaustion, MP, I don't know. But I slept for twenty out of twenty-four hours, um, and yeah, that kicked my ass. It really did. But uh, other than that, I'm good. Back in the office, back on the mic, back in front of the keyboard. And uh, well, enjoying life. It's great to be back doing Twisk again. And boy, oh boy, there's been a lot going on, and there still is a lot going on. And I'll plug here before we go any further. Keep listening uh, because we're going to be pointing you towards um, someone else's exclusive for Monday. Uh, so keep listening in. You'll want to hear this one. It's uh, it's quite a story. Indeed. Let me cover off two quick things to uh, get the show spooled up. A little bit of uh, anti-lag backfiring here through the exhaust to get us spooled up, Graham. I want to say a big thank you to not only all of our listeners, as we always do. We're doing a freewheeling non-Q&A episode, by the way. So uh, I'll say thanks for all the questions you wanted to send in but didn't get a chance to because we didn't ask for them because <laughs> we've been a little bit crazy busy. But we will in the next episode. But I want to say thanks to all of our listeners, as usual, Graham. Truly uh, a, a, a fine, spirited, and passionate bunch that we are uh, exceptionally blessed to have. And one well, of the... Most of them. There is that one guy. Yeah. That one guy. And, and you know who you are, and you know you need yeah, to get you your act in gear, pal. Um, wanted to say, though, one of the ways we can measure how awesome our listeners happen to be charity initiatives. Mm. have our friend cassie johnston she is based in the american state of indiana and she most of the folks that she is aligned with are fans of indycar in our week in indycar show but nonetheless they are all members of the prue day listener group that formed on their own here a couple years ago i believe we're now into the hundreds uh, in terms of members of that group Cassie, being the amazing person that she is, last Christmas, Graham, last holiday in December, decided, you know, there's a, a charity organization here in Indianapolis that helps to buy and bring toys to extremely underprivileged kids who otherwise would go without and have uh, holidays that are, are the exact opposite of what all the other kids are having. And so she and the Day raised... Uh, more than $3,300 to uh, put together toy purchases for kids, brought those to the charity, which were then distributed, chose the number 33, traditional number for starters in the Indy 500. It's about $100 per kid uh, to purchase all the necessary things for them. And so she and uh, the group of the Pruday and others donated and made that happen. She raised the bar this year, Graham, to 42 kids that oh, wow. hap happening to match in, match in, sure, to match the largest number of entries at the Indy 500 
uh, that being 42, way, way back in the day. And very proud to say that not only has that $4,200 goal been raised, uh, it's now sitting at $5,547, and things are going so well, she's now raised that to double 33 entries to 66 kids. So we're not too far away from that. So just wanted to say thank you to the many listeners here who have helped raise this amount of money all just phenomenal folks i think for those of you who've listened to my podcast for many years you know how much charity work and volunteerism means to me so this just it's a beautiful thing it's a beautiful extension of the silly thing you and i do graham uh, and have done for many years uh, with the weekend sports cars and all the other stuff that we do here so just wanted to extend a lot of gratitude and also tell folks because cassie is the best kind of crazy uh she went and created an actual website so folks can donate so there is something on the interwebs you might go and check out if you feel so inclined please donate if you do not no worries but prukids.org p-r-u-e-k-i-d-s dot o-r-g prukids.org lives and is the central rallying point for supporting this initiative so that's a, uh, yeah, wow, uh, truly, Graham, just blows me away. I'm going to dive in here and say I th- that's a, it's a remarkable initiative. And no matter where you are on the political scale here, there is one truth that needs to be spoken in relation to this kind of initiative is whatever else you might want to point a finger of blame at, it's not the kid's fault, okay? And having had a window on that world through our family journey, um, in the last 10 years, it is humbling when you come across a kid who, for whatever reason, just hasn't had any of the things that you might regard as being normal and regular, um, whether or not that's vacation, whether or not that's, you know, decent clothes, decent toys, whether or not that's a birthday party of any shape, way, shape or form. Uh, Cassie and everybody involved in that, well done. Uh, more power to you and just chuck a few bucks into the into the fund and anybody whether or not you've got kids or whether or not you've been part of a, a birthday or a, a a christmas or a thanksgiving with somebody else's kids there's something truly magical and special about that and that's a that's a fantastic initiative so big thank you to uh our listeners there yet again graham and then one last thing that is extremely specific to the weekend sports cars and i will probably make a habit of mentioning this for the next little while if you are a consumer of the youtubes if you are someone who enjoys sports car racing videos and those being presented to you on youtube i would encourage you to subscribe to my youtube page youtube's channel youtube outlet uh it's pretty simple marshall pruitt so yeah youtube slash marshall pruitt you will find something that i have been doing increasingly in the last two weeks or so graham and that is drinking heavily uh yes i have a uh two liter bottle right here of Mm. alkaline 88 smooth hydration water purified water (laughs) so i will uh i will admit right here for the first time on the show i have a drinking problem I'm up to between four and six liters a day. So um, 
I have been very busy upscaling a large number of old IMSA videos by and large. There's a couple world WSPC videos and group C videos I'll get to as well. But uh, of the things that I have placed on my YouTube channel in the last 24 to 48 hours, we have 1984 IMSA GTP at Riverside, uh, a race featuring front engine Mustang GTP car driven by Bobby Rahal, uh, the infamous Randy Lanier, uh, Bill Whittington, Blue Thunder, uh, marijuana funded uh, March 84G Chevrolet, uh, Derek Bell in 962. That part's not surprising, but not in a Holbert 962. A phenomenal race. Anyways, just posted that upscaled from whatever old format it would have been to uh, 1920 by 1080, basically HD scaling upscaled everything to uh, HD sizing. Uh, also uploaded Graham 1990 IMSA GTO and GTU at Mid-Ohio featuring one of the rare, I think it was only three or four outings total for the Ferrari France F40, uh, this time driven by Jean-Pierre Jabouy, who reached the podium. Uh, wow. Four-rotor Mazda RX-7s, uh, twin-turbo Nissan V6s, just crazy stuff there. Uh, and then also just put up the 1985 IMSA GTP race at Riverside. I've got the 1992 IMSA GTP season review video uh, to put up and a few more that'll be uh, going up soon. But anyways, uh, especially coming in here to the holidays, I will be trying to post things as frequently as I can. So if you get a chance, uh, wouldn't ask you to like, that's up to you. But if you would... Uh, pay a visit and subscribe to the uh, good old YouTube slash Marshall Pruitt page there. I think you're going to find some stuff here that you're going to enjoy. And there's also a decent amount of stuff that I've been putting up there for many years, just never making the least bit of effort to promote it or tell folks about it. So there you go. Uh, Graham Goodwin, we should start talking about newer stuff that's happened in the world of sports cars. Uh, should we start with you, getting back from Bahrain and all the stuff that you learned about there, the you you're trailing something. Why don't we start with the breadcrumbs? You've, you've kind of sort of well, played from Monday. Full of breadcrumbs, Would I um, be accurate in saying that have been I hear listening. that as a V12? Is that what I hear? A V2? Yeah, a so, V1? What are, what are we talking so about? It's, this is pretty unique in that we're not going to be trailing a story that either you or I have sniffed out or written. We're going to be trailing a story that young blogger has written. Uh, I became aware of a young man called Daniel Weber, who runs an Instagram page, Le Mans Hypercar News, uh, just some little while ago uh, in the fringes of a, another story. Uh, we exchanged a little bit of information. Cut long story short, um, we've had Daniel along to an ELMS race. He was a guest of LMEM uh, at Bahrain, and Daniel and I spent some time together there and me showing him how this works when you, the difference between staring at a screen and uh, talking with a keyboard and um, staring at people and talking face to face. And uh, halfway through the weekend, he came along to me and, and asked for advice about uh, a couple of emails that had come into him. We took a look at this, and sure enough, if you go along on Monday, 
uh, let's say, I'd say about 11 a.m. GMT, midday Central European time, to Le Mans Hypercar News, you will see the very first details of yet another hypercar program. This came from the horse's mouth. It's come from the people involved in the program. It is a recognisable brand. It is not one you'd have read about anywhere else. And there are, as you quite rightly said, MP, two things that are going to be unique about this hypercar program. Uh, Some things we've not got at the moment in any live hypercar program. So those two things, congratulations to Daniel for getting it. We will be given a push on DSC immediately afterwards. Um, But kudos for him. There is another hypercar program out there. Um, It's an LMH car, uh, but not quite in the way that we've seen it before. So look out for that one. Um, You know what? They still keep coming out the cracks, don't they, these things? There's still more coming along. You mentioned Bahrain, MP, and it was a busy week. Uh, Lots and lots going on. Uh, both on track in the paddock and then beyond that in the offices of LMEM, the FIA, uh, all sorts of people uh, in the paddock uh, spotted. We saw the Cadillac guys there. Jim Glickenhouse is there. I had a long chat with him about the the, uh, the potential programs he's got coming forward. Another one that I've caught up with to a degree, but we'll be catching up with a little further forward, and it's for a significant proportion of our audience, the word I'm about to say will be exciting uh, because there was a high-profile member of the management team from Silverstone there for a series of conversations. And that will be good news indeed for uh, a lot of people here in the UK who are keen to see international sports car racing return to our shores for the first time uh, since covid uh, that's a live conversation pretty obviously. Someone's bothered to get on the plane for the seven hours it takes to get from uh, Heathrow to Bahrain and to wait there for the three hours it takes to get their bag at the other end. Um, and that's another running storyline moving forward. Beyond that, MP, um, Championship Soul 1, Alpine didn't make it. It was a championship win for Toyota. We had a reasonably good race for a period of time, the Peugeots were quick, but again, fragile. For me, though, um, and we'll talk about GT Pro, uh, I'm sure, uh, the the end of that, um, that storyline. The bigger storylines were more to do with the rookie test on the Sunday, uh, where we had a variety of people trying out a variety of cars. One driver not trying out a car was Stoffel van Dorn, who came down with appendicitis, I think it was, which prevented him from taking up an opportunity to drive the extraordinary Peugeot 9X8. But um, I'm left asking myself the question, why, when you've got a stable two-car driver squad, as Peugeot do, did you invite four drivers, two established names and two emerging names, to drive at that rookie test. So question is, um, is it not as stable as we think it is? Is it future planning or are Peugeot planning a third car for Le Mans? Uh, They've been very quiet on all three fronts, uh, but the final word on that one is to say congratulations to Melty Jakobsen, a young Danish driver who was very quick indeed, within a second of the established stars uh, at Peugeot aboard that car 
Um, all good stuff. Um, we can talk about GTE Pro if you like. I know you yes. like uh, a bit of GT. Oh, hit me with the GT. Good win. <laughs> well, Ferrari, Ferrari it was that took the honours. Uh, Porsche were quick enough through most of the weekend, but just seemed to kind of fall short when it really, really mattered. Uh, they were rather... Uh, they were second guessed if you like oh, that's wrong wrong phrase to use they were they had their day ruined by a full course yellow which allowed uh, just after they pitted uh, the championship leading ferrari uh, to pit under caution which gave them basically a 30 second lead they never really lost uh, it also allowed by the way the corvette um, and what's now confirmed to be the final uh, race for corvette racing for nick tandy uh, to leapfrog uh, to a podium position, which after you know first half of the race where the Corvette seemed a bit out of sorts, um, suddenly they seemed to find the pace. And Corvette, uh, a, a great way to finish with them finishing on the podium. Uh, Nick Tandy, as I think you exclusively revealed on the weekend sports cars, uh, was indeed confirmed as being part of what looks increasingly like a full uh, Penske Porsche uh, motorsport, uh, GTP and hypercar round uh, li- lineup uh, named with Fred Makivicki as part of that uh, now expanded lineup. Um, but he finished his GTE Pro career, I have to tell you, in race control and the steward's office. Mm. In what, for me, were fairly extraordinary circumstances. He stayed on, uh, did Mr. Tandy. Um, he was the famous thumbs up sign off to every uh, interview. Um, doing the uh, the the if you, if you like the target time for a couple of talented silvers, all being considered, I'm sure, as part of the uh, the WC effort with Ben Keating and Nicky Katzberg, both confirmed. Uh, we had Nico Veroni from uh, Argentina, and we had uh, Axel Jeffries uh, from I think Axel Zimbabwean, but lives in the UE. Um, Nick set the target time for them and on his very last lap the fun folks at Corvette Racing put out the the board asking him to box the board was decorated um, to celebrate the end of his is it two years or yeah, three just years two to, years if, uh, just I two believe. years um, with a number of uh, flags etc that did not go down well with race control and I believe Nick was called up to explain. That's a bit sad, is the honest answer. That's, I'm sorry, not what I would have expected. It was only a test. The other thing, by the way, I wouldn't have expected in that test was um, we didn't see the Alpine out in the, um, uh, I, I don't think it ran in the in the rookie test, but it was due to run either as the, the whip for the WEC nominee for the rookie uh, drive, uh, which was Lilu Wadu, one of a number of uh, female drivers we've got in the WEC and the uh, the European Le Mans series. Um, she didn't get to drive that. She got to drive the Toyota because that was a championship-winning car. But either way, um, someone who was supposed to drive the car uh, in that test was the LMP2 Pro-Am winning gentleman driver and now four-time title winner in the WEC, a record for uh, Francois Perodo, 
And Francois was supposed to drive that car, which, by the way, and I'll say it out loud, I don't think he, he particularly wants this out there terribly loudly, but keep it to yourselves, just the thousands of you listening. Um, he owns that car. Mm. Uh, he wasn't allowed to drive it because he's a bronze-ranked driver. I heard he got into a disagreement with the owner. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Almost, that, almost that got chucked again. out of the paddock. Yeah. Um, yeah. Not, not, not the finest hour, it's got to be said. But good again to see some real talents getting the opportunity to have a crack in machinery they've not previously uh, seen the inside of. Um, lots going on ahead of next season, hearing good things about the numbers we're going to see in the FIWC and in the European Le Mans series. Got a few, uh, uh, few surprises still to come for both of those. And also great news, by the way, from another of my broadcast clients, the Asian Le Mans series. And I think we're going to see that series oversubscribed. Do we get to use the term bumper? Do we get to... Bumper, bumper, I think, is a great word. Bumper grid. So it is going to be, by the way, myself and Ollie Gavin back at the microphones for the 2023 season. Still in the UAE, of course. That's uh, what's become quite popular you know, two weekend, four race format, two races in Dubai, two races in the UAE. But, and we certainly enjoy it. It's incredibly intense, but uh, we, we certainly enjoy it. But um, it sounds to me as if we can have quite the grid, a big increase in the number of LMP2 cars, uh, more than double, I think, what we saw last year, um, or at least double what we saw last year. Um, I think at least the same or more in LMP3, and I still have very good GT3 grid as well for that one. Lots of good stuff going on. What's going on stateside, MP? Well, you mentioned some Tandy stuff. I have two things to offer on that front. First, and this is a little bit controversial, I've learned, uh, I've had a, a brief look into an email exchange within the Porsche Penske Motorsport team, and I've learned that at least the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship side with the factory Porsche 963 GTP cars, all of its drivers, all of its full-time drivers, are going to be required to legally change their first name to Matt or Matthew. So that's going to make things really clean for all drivers there. So that means uh, Matthew Tandy will be paired with Matthew Jaminet uh, coming up next season. That's the latest iteration. It has changed, and it might change again. Uh, and then Matt Nasser is going to drive with Matt Campbell in the other car. So uh, that's another interesting evolution as well. And yes, obviously, I'm kidding about everyone being required to change their first name to Matt or Matthew. But uh, I can say that the latest thing I understand in terms of pairings for that program will have Tandy and Jaminet and then Nazar and Campbell in the other car. So that could be uh, that could be fun and interesting. But not more fun, Graham, or more interesting in something that I dropped into my latest week. No, not week in IndyCar. Good Lord. Uh, IndyCar Silly Season story on racer.com talking about an IndyCar champion, two-time champion plus a breakthrough winner this past season and close to being a title contender should be making their very first LMP2 starts 
coming up here in January. I'm aware of the team. I will leave the team's name out as I did in the story just to not give away all the fun there. But uh, two-time NTT IndyCar Series champion, we could call him Roger Penske's long-term front-running solution there in IndyCar, Joseph Newgarden, who has been trying for many, many years to open his sports car racing account. We will, assuming nothing changes, see Joseph making his IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship debut in LMP2 here in January at the Rolex 24 alongside triple Australian supercar champion Scott McLaughlin, who some of you might have seen him teasing a little bit on the social medias, posting a photo of Daytona Roval track map saying that he needed to learn that. So those two, McLaughlin and Newgarden, will be sharing a P2 car at Daytona, getting their first P2 big prototype experience there. They will then follow on, Graham. This is the best part to me. Little race in France next June uh, would be the 100th anniversary of the very first time it was run. They will indeed be carrying over and competing at the 24 Hours of Le Mans, Newgarden and McLaughlin in P2. And beyond it just being new for them and fun and whatnot, there's a bigger initiative at play here, uh, I believe, from Porsche Penske Motorsports, that being to get the two of them the necessary experience the German brand would want in any driver before it would roll those drivers into its either full factory program in 2024, talking just the Enduros, right? They both have uh, full season commitments in IndyCar, so that's not going to change. But this is something that a brand like Porsche, or frankly any other brand, would demand before bringing someone in to this factory effort and letting them have a, a better go starting in 2024. So would that be as an enduro driver for Porsche Penske Motorsports? Would that be as a endurance driver for one of the uh, factory-affiliated teams? That part I can't say, but uh, this isn't just a random, hey, two IndyCar guys, go play P2 and then just drop it. Uh, I think we're going to see something a little bit more intentional and orchestrated there. Uh, arranged by the PPM side, the Penske side, to make sure that these two absolute rockets, Graham, um, are free and clear to play at a higher level uh, once we get through that first season of GTP slash LMDH racing throughout the globe. It's a cool story. and you know, There's a lot of people who've noticed that, all sorts of guesses uh, about where that, um, that combo might end up. Um, I think there's a few clues in that story as to where that might eventually emerge. Uh, but and we're not done. Stuff. I, we're not done. There's there's more high profile open wheel drivers. Uh, I think we're going to see confirmed for at minimum the Rolex Twenty Four Daytona, if not more beyond that. So yeah, uh, we're going to be busy writing. I'm going to be busy, busy writing stories here. Well, uh, I, I'll say this much. much. I, I'm chasing another story, which is not an IMSA story, about another high-profile single-seater driver 
that I think will emerge in a sports car program relatively soon, uh, certainly for 2023. And that one is going to cause global headlines when it happens. Well, look at you. You, you, it's it's the <laughs> day of the tease. Uh, also, one of Graham's favorite dances from back when he was a stripper. <laughs> um, what else should we cover off, or have we covered off the majority of what we wanted to cover off we're, here, my friend? We're getting there, but there, there are a few other bits and pieces. One I uh, want to, to actually come up with is that uh, we have had, if not the final package uh, for LMP2, we thought we'd get some of this through the Bahrain weekend, Extension of the homologation of the current cars MP um, for ACO competition to the end of the 2025 season. So they've they've um, fended off the prospect of having to uh, replace the LMP2 cars. We we are expecting it's not been confirmed yet. Are expecting that uh, after next year we might not see lmp2 in the fiwc anymore that will focus in aco terms on the european the asian le mans series but it will be let's say what you see Eureka 07 until the end of 2025 wherever they are competing uh, so the current gibson engined cars um, will continue i have heard from a couple of pretty good sources not yet confirmed that we might see those cars in European Le Mans series and uh, by uh, by definition as well, Asian Le Mans series competition, restored to something closer uh, to their design specifications uh, in terms of the pace you might see from those cars in that competition. Clearly, that have to be, uh, warning, incoming, terrible word, stratified uh, for other competition if they race at Le Mans but I'm told that the the plan at the moment appears to be that we might see the Gibson uh, power plants restored to something closer to their 600 horsepower glory than we're currently seeing in LMP2. Beyond that MP the other parts of the news before I talk uh, finally about one other visit I made in the last week um, all sorts of shenanigans one of which involves both the FIWC and the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship in hypercar and GTP. Let's say congratulations to Ife Ye, uh, the uh, Porsche uh, Motorsport Asia Pacific nominated driver. He is going to be a full season hypercar driver with Hertz Team Jota in 2023 and will therefore become the first Chinese driver with a realistic um, chance to compete for the overall FI World Insurance Championship and the Le Mans 24 Hours, and uh, richly deserved. He's a very talented young man. Uh, beyond that, you've got a bit of news um, of another talented young man that's going to get a GTP drive and uh, son of friend of the show, Marshall. That would be Martin Brundle's son. <laughs> uh, Larry Brundle is his name. Um, Billy Brundle. No. Billy Brundle. Uh, I might have gotten this one slightly wrong. It's going to be Colin Brown. No way. I know. That's... So it's, it's a sad aspect to this, and it does mean the end of uh, a highly successful, well-established, and it's got to be said, in the context of the, the storyline that's emerging here, massively honourable um, team. The end of core autosports um, that, that comes in 
concert with this this announcement. Great announcement for Colin Brown. Rich deserved as far as I'm concerned. What say you, MP? Yeah, I totally agree. And obviously kidding a little bit there, but I would love to see Alex Brundle uh, in something over here regularly because it seems like he's overlooked just way too often as a, a good solution. But yeah, spoke with Shank briefly, um, I think yesterday, the day before, whenever it was, and he's... Uh, thankful obviously to have someone of colin brown's caliber available to hire know that there's also little feeling of anxiety maybe nervousness something and it's not due to colin it's shank obviously hit a proverbial home run in the hiring of tom blomquist right uh rocket he was just everything the team needed struggled a bit if we look back just a little ways uh struggled a little bit to put together the exact optimal imsa dpi driver pairings full season pairings uh things did not work out well with olivier pla obviously um then hired uh our friend someone who's very quick in a motor racing vehicle um What's his name? Is it another Oliver type? Somebody, uh, I forget his name, but I Oli J. seem to think he's done OJ. really good. Not that things. OJ, not that OJ. Uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> young Mr. Jarvis, kidding aside, but <sighs> things did not work out with Plaw. That got wound up a little earlier than expected. Uh, completed the season uh, with Ollie this year alongside Tom, but just a few too many instances where Tom did whatever handed off the car in whatever position. And next thing you know, they were missing a few of those positions and just tougher time than expected. Obviously having to adapt to a new car, a new program, uh, not making excuses for Ollie or anything like that, but it was a tough position to be in Graham for one very specific reason and that was his predecessor kind of went through the same thing whenever he climbed in the car it's a generalization but the feeling was oh man we're gonna go backwards and they didn't always but they did enough to lead shank to say oh boy sorry we got to make a change here that's a pretty hard thing to live up against as the new driver taking over for the driver who disappointed the team and the team felt disappointed in their talent choosing capabilities and to then have that to a lesser degree than what uh young mr plaw uh experienced but nonetheless to still have that happening more often than desired um it was clear to me having not spoken a word to shank graham about this uh it was clear to me just watching that happen a few too many times by the say about the mid-season of the weather check championship calendar just clear to me from afar without even asking shank about it oh there's going to be a driver change here there's too much familiarity to what happened the year before and uh i think right around that time is when we started hearing "Ooh, yeah they might be looking for someone else and they have indeed been able to hire colin weren't expecting to have him available obviously but they do have him so just speaking with Shank here a couple of days ago, I know he's feeling a bit of pressure for this to pan out. 
and for a full-time two-driver rotation where when either Tom or Colin gets in the car, they go forward instead of backwards and not have a bit of a competitive mismatch between the two. So interesting, right? It's not often you get team owners talking about their internal frustrations just with themselves for making decisions that did not turn out to be what they wanted or what they needed. Granted, it's not like we can talk about this as some sort of grand failure on their part. They did just win the Rolex 24 Daytona and the freaking championship. So high level performing. So again, I'm not saying anything critical of Ollie in that regard, but just interesting to see that despite this great success, there was still a feeling of, wow, we on the team side have not been as sharp as we need to be on who we choose to lead our team from inside the cockpit. So I know there's, I'm very positive as well, Graham. It's been made clear to Colin, like, hey, we think you're going to be amazing. They know him. He's driven for them before, back in the uh, uh, fairly decent while ago in the Grand AM Daytona prototype series. But I think Colin's fully aware that this is his to make his or not. Uh, One other quick thing here, Graham which I think is going to be an interesting theme to follow if you really want to burrow into this number 60 Meyershank Racing Acura Air X06 coming. Colin has spent the last long time as the pro alongside John Bennett in a pro-am team, even when they went up to DPI for one year with the, uh, the Nissan, right? Now, that was the first time they've really gone head-to-head with factory-level stuff. But core, for the most part, if you think about their tenure in the sport, America Le Mans series heavily, then IMSA, we are talking it could be a, a Porsche GT2 car, could be an old LMPC vehicle, could be LMP2, and then here more recently, LMP3. In all of those scenarios... We have had Colin playing the pro to John's am, but also playing the coach, having to compromise, uh, vehicle setup, whatever it is, someone who's basically working and living in support of someone else because that's the pro-am dynamic that they're embedded into in those various classes. The need here, hey, I need you to be a prima donna. I need you to stop uh, acquiescing, uh, doing everything in service of someone else who is by no means as capable as you behind the wheel. I need you to stop being that person who is trying to make the best overall program, but one that has some inherent compromises in it for the team owner slash co-driver who's just never going to be close to what you can do. I need that to go out the door and for, you know, dickish prickish mentality. I'm the star here. I'm the captain. Can Colin go back to that place? And obviously he needs to work with Tom. Tom needs to work with him. They need to become a dynamic duo 
just thinking about that, Graham, something where having spent a decade or whatever the exact period of time was in kind of a subservient pro role, the need to elevate one's mindset, driving style, to be attacking at all times, uh, just true restoration of being maximum attack, maximum pro, no accommodations unless it's something Tom needs. But that's an arc we don't get to talk about very much because it doesn't happen that often in the sport to have someone after, again, so many years of being the pro in an AM situation, having to elevate back to full pro, pro mindset and behavior on track and mindset off. That fascinates me. And I think that's going to be something for us to track this coming year. Yeah, the other quick uh, one that uh, was mentioned in the in the release by Mike Shank and reminded me of uh, another link you mentioned back to the Grand Dam days, but the record runs at Daytona in uh, Mike's Ford EcoBoost engined DP. And just going back to uh, to look at that, this was 2013. It was Colin Brown, so Colin then must have been, I think, eight years old yeah. uh, back then. Um, a single lap to the fat at that point, and I, as far as I'm aware, still stands as the fastest lap ever run at the Daytona around the full oval 222.971 miles per hour in that Daytona prototype, the Ford EcoBoost uh, powered Daytona prototype, uh, and lots of other records set in that, uh, that record setting. Uh, it, it is great to see his talent has been recognized. Um, it, it truly the IMSA weather tech sports car championship is an international championship, but it's particularly good to see when you've got homegrown talent that's getting a chance in this new golden age, uh, that increasingly looks like it's going to be here. I'm going to finish in terms of news MP with news of a story that affects both the FI world Endurance championship and the IMSA weather tech sports car championship. And with thanks to and apologies as well to um, the progenitor of this story, Christian Reed, uh, because it is the final confirmation of something we've been hoping to bring to you some months ago. Uh, that's the final, at the moment, known GTP and uh, uh, and hypercar entries will come from Proton Competition with a pair of Porsche 963s. Uh, one in each championship with a an ambition from Proton to double up in 2024, although there's an emerging story there that's going to be worth keeping your, our eyes on as to whether or not this is down to uh, a choice from Porsche uh, in terms of the quality of uh, customer service or whether or not this is rather more aligned to a wish to keep as much focus as possible on the factory program. I think we'll... we'll play a little bit of hashtag wait and see, but there's something going on in the background here uh, that Porsche will need to reassure uh, both their customers and, for that matter, those watching these things carefully. And I'm looking at myself and yourself uh, here. So it's a thanks to Christian Reed for, for trusting us with the story. It's an apology to Christian Reed for having to put up with the nonsense yet again of another Paddock colleague for whom the scoop was more important than making sure that the conversation they have is on the record. Uh, that story is now out there, but not in the way that Proton 
uh, chose it to be. I will tell you, by the way, though, uh, in their haste to go with this story, there's a lot more to come on that story. And I think you can be reassured that um, we're not going to be at the back of the the, uh, the queue on that one. The others might be. Great stuff. It means that we have got confirmation uh, now that once all the cars are through that supply chain MP, that both championships will have the new top class at double figures, um, both the GDP class in IMSA and the hybrid car class in the WEC for 2023 will be into double figures. And both will accelerate further when we get into 2024. So things are going nicely. Uh, I'll finish my kind of con- contribution here, MP, by saying a big thank you as well to uh, the uh, the uh, to Roel Goethe and Stuart Hall at the Rothko Collection. If you're not aware of what the Rothko Collection is, do take a look online, R-O-F-G-O Collection, um, and was invited behind some usually very closed doors to an extraordinary array of historic racing machines, most of which uh, have that uh, powder blue and orange colour scheme. There is very much a theme uh, to this, and you'll be seeing a lot more of that um, on Daily Sports Car. And I hope, uh, if you'll agree, MP, we might put something together for your YouTube channel for that one as well. Yes. Um, but unfettered access to that, including Formula One cars, Can-Am cars, sports cars in abundance, uh, some amazing machinery and some amazing access to that, and much more to come on that front as well. I'm looking That's at been my the, uh, week. I'm looking at Anything the page more right now. other than saying... Happy anniversary to you and Gibral. No, thank you, brother. I'm looking at their site right now. And yeah, there's some great stuff here, uh, including the uh, Aston Martin AMR1, which I hope is a run. Oh, yeah. I hope it's a uh, It's. I think it is. Well, one of the things I can tell you that I wasn't expecting to see, but did see, um, not only have they got the AMR1, the AMR1, um, not Aston Martin's most successful car. No, uh, but, but I, I will tell you, having listened to it streak by as many Hurts, times as it, it was capable of doing. It's beautiful. Love the sound inline turbo six, a mm-hmm. rarity in modern, modern prototype racing at least. But yeah, it sounded wonderful. And I am fortunate, even though I believe I was not allowed to uh, back then uh, because the ACO is very strict about, uh, video and audio capturing whatnot i didn't give a fart uh <laughs> captured uh some sounds of it streaking by along with the other cars uh, i think of the kink on the mulsanne or whatever so um i might have that might even be sitting on the podcast uh already okay. but nonetheless uh beyond yeah it wasn't a stellar performer in and of itself yeah. fascinating yeah. technically though and i have a ton of uh, i should say a ton a lot of photos of it that i need to post here uh, but also have some audio of it. So would love to see and hear that thing run again, even though well, many folks I, poop I, on it. I think Rolls car is a runner. There's certainly one other car that I know is a runner. Um, so let's hope we get to see that one of them in anger at some point. At least one of the two cars has had quite a lot of development work done on it to solve a couple of the problems from the, the cars had in period. The unique thing, though, about the car, the Rothko collection, is it's not always been an Aston Martin. Okay, we'll come to that. The Aston Martin AMR1 begat two other cars which could barely be more different. Yeah. 
One of them, Delta Wing, which was based on the AMR1 chassis. The other was the ill-starred Pescarolo 03. And would you believe, MP, the bodywork for that car still exists? Mm. Seen it. it. Doubt the thing will ever be rebuilt as that car. Um, It was, I think it's fair to say, the opposite of a competitive success. Uh, Quite possibly the most scary uh, top-class sports car of the modern era. Um, But uh, there'll be, as I say, uh, lots of video uh, was taken. There'll be a conversation um, as well to come with that. I hope we'll capture that in podcast form uh, too. Didn't have the whole collection there because, as always... Some of the cars were away being fettled. Some of them are on the way to the Dubai uh, Historic Festival. But some absolutely amazing pieces of kit. And I'll th- say one final thank you uh, to Roland and Stuart for their trust in having me there and, and leave me alone to do what I wanted to do with those cars, which uh, hopefully have not got uh, terribly many security cameras in there. Otherwise, uh, I'll be expecting the knock at the door from the forces of law and order at any point uh, pretty soon. You told that, you told them, leave me alone. I know what to do. And they did. I know what I'm doing. I know what I'm doing. Uh, I think that's it for the week, isn't it? Take us home, my brother. I will, my friend. Um, so thanks again to all of you for listening in. Uh, we will uh, be ch- uh, switching back to a... Uh, listener question format for next week and Daniel Summersgill I'm sure will be doing his normal uh, parts in bringing that one together Uh, thanks again to uh, the fine folk at Cooper Tires the Justice Brothers and to TorontoMotorsports.com thanks again uh, to you on your anniversary weekend MP uh, for making the time to record this remember to look in at uh, the Le Mans Hypercars Uh, Instagram page lunchtime on Monday uh, in Europe. I've been Graham Goodwin. He's been Marshall Pruitt. This has been the Week in Sports Cars, part of the Marshall Pruitt podcast. We will be back with you next week.